Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. morning. Welcome to Harvest Community Church. I'm the only committed pastor at Harvest because I'm here by myself. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. They're both committed as well. If you want to open your Bibles to Jonah, chapter 3. Jonah, chapter 3. And uh, this is the uh, last one, although the second one of a three-part series, because we covered one and two last time, and I want to finish with three. And I, I want to talk about there is a better way, because in the first message, we talked about how God is a God of second chances, which is really cool. When you make a mistake, and you have regrets, and you get the opportunity to fix them, uh, by God's grace, that's just a wonderful feeling. And yet sometimes we, as followers of Christ, get to a place where we begin to depend a little too heavily on a God of second chances. And uh, sometimes, as we talked about last time with Moses, God does not always give a second chance. And and we talked about how his anger prevented him from actually entering into the promised land, which it wasn't a one-time event, but Moses, like many of us, had anger issues. And so he didn't get that second chance. Uh, Even though he had many chances beforehand, there's a point where God draws the line And ultimately, I want to get us today in this final part to see that there is a better way. So yes, God is a God of second chances, and sometimes God doesn't give another chance, but there is a better way. And uh, we'll talk about that today as we we look at Jonah. Uh, I want to see if I can connect with you for a minute here. Uh, Have you ever heard the words said to you, I told you so? Has anyone ever heard that? I told you so. Uh, and, and it's usually after you did something that was a mess and someone told you not to do that so you wouldn't get in that mess. Now, uh, are you reliving that moment? And as you're reliving that moment, how did you feel when someone said, I told you so? Now, if you're like me, uh, you get a little upset. And the reason you get a little upset is because you know that they told you so. You probably knew that they were right, but you still did it anyway because your heart was in it. And you made the mistake, and the catastrophe is all over the place. It's a big mess. And you really don't want someone coming alongside of you and saying, I told you so, right? But let's be honest. If you're the person that's saying, I told you so, it feels good, doesn't it? It's like there's that extra release I don't know if the endorphins are flowing a little bit more, but when you know somebody did something that you told them not to do and they were going to get into trouble and you say, I told you so, there's that sense of triumph. Amen to that or no? Am I the only one that's really messed up that takes joy in other people's faults? I don't take joy in people's faults, but sometimes you just want to just say, I told you so, and I was right, man, you're a pretty good guy that I am, and I'm not, but you know what I'm saying. I told you so. I told you so. And when somebody was, is saying that, what they're saying is, there's a better way. You did something, you blew it, here's the mess, 
But man, I, I told you. There's a better way. And I can remember in college twice, a friend came up to me, two different instances, two different friends, and both times they said, brother, you need to get away from that girl as fast as possible. And I told them, ah, you don't know. <laughs> love, man, it's all about love. And uh, both times they were right, and it was catastrophic. Thankfully, they weren't around to tell me, I told you so, but I told myself. I knew. I knew there was something wrong. There is a better way. There is a better way. Let's look at Jonah chapter 3. <coughs> Starting in verse 1, it says, Then the word of the Lord, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city, a visit requiring three days. So really what the text is telling us is Jonah got a second chance. Jonah, here is your second chance. Uh, A week ago or whatever it is, the time frame here. Yeah, I probably will, but I don't know if it will help. But a week ago, time frame wise, I asked you, not asked, I told you to go to Nineveh. And I wanted you to proclaim to them a simple message. Y'all are in trouble. Turn from your sin. Because judgment is coming. And you didn't do it. And so he had to go through this whole process. He got to a place of repentance. And then here in chapter 3, God is giving him his second chance. It's a wonderful thing. The second chance is great. And Jonah takes it. Rather than saying, you know what, that's really cool. I fled to Tarshish. This time I'm going to flee to Mongolia so you can't catch me. Instead, he goes, you know what, thank you so much. I've seen the error of my ways, and now I'm going to go to Nineveh, and I'm going to proclaim this message. So God, in a sense, is the God of second chances. And uh, we talked about Manasseh, the great second chance that he got. We talked last time about Peter and the second chance that he got. The thief on the cross, the second chance that he got before he died, a last chance, a deathbed confession, which does work, but we don't want to base our lives on that. And we talked about John Mark. So these second chances are awesome. They're wonderful experiences to have. And then we also reminded ourselves that sometimes God doesn't give us that second chance. And so we looked at people like Ananias and Sapphira. We looked at the other thief on the cross. And we looked at some of the churches in Revelation as well as Moses. So here we have Jonah. He's had this experience with God. He blew it. He's got the second chance. He heads to Nineveh. And he's going to proclaim this message. He's going to basically do what God asks him to do. And here's the message. Verse 4. On the first day... Jonah started into the city, and he proclaimed, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overturned. It's basically a simple and short message. Walking through the city, and I don't know what he looked like. Some people say because he was in the belly of the fish for three days. If you take this historically, that he was probably very white, sort of like me, pasty, because I don't go out in the sun a little bit. And he had white hair, and all of his clothes were sort of like white, because of the digestive juices, whatever it is. But he comes into the city and he says, listen, 40 days. You have 40 days to change your ways. And if you don't change your ways, judgment is coming. A short message, a simple message, but not a very positive message, right? I mean, we would prefer if Jonah said to Nineveh, in 40 days you will know and recognize that God loves you. That's a good message. It's a true message. But that's not the message that God sent him to say. It was a message of judgment. Listen, you have 40 days. 
40 days and judgment is coming. Now, if you read all of Jonah, I'm wondering what Jonah is thinking. Jonah's thinking, man, I hope day 41 comes and these guys haven't turned. But the Ninevites, interesting response. Look what happens in verse 5. The Ninevites believed God. Now, I'm not, I'm not great at Hebrew. So using the commentary, commentator said when that word believed is used, it's a word that says the Ninevites had faith. They trusted God. They trusted God. Just like Israel, same word, way back in Exodus, after the uh, sea is parted, the same word is believed. The Ninevites believed. They believed God immediately. They didn't form this committee and say, hey, wait a minute. Let's get all the leaders together. And this guy, who we have no idea who he is, but he's running through our city and he's saying in 40 days, God's going to bring judgment. They didn't have a committee. They didn't get together and discuss it and say, hey, let's, look, let's parse each word. Okay, first of all, first word, 40. What does 40 mean? Well, 40 spiritually, if you look in the Bible, 40, they didn't do any of that. They basically heard this simple message, this straightforward message of judgment and said, man, we really are in trouble. We are definitely in trouble. We need to do something. And they did something. Immediately, they believed God. How do we know they believed God? Because look what happens. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. In other words, this is so bad, we need to just stop eating. We need to stop eating and focus. We need to focus on what God is bringing to our great city. And then they put on sackcloth. How many of you like the clothes you wear? Nice, comfortable clothes, right? Anyone, like, normally wear sackcloth? Really? Why not? It's nice, comfortable, like those potato bags that you have. Wouldn't that be nice to sleep in? Hey, what are your pajamas? I sleep in a potato bag. Nice and comfortable and itchy and scratchy, and I feel like bugs are all over me kind of thing. But these people were so serious when they heard the message, 40 days, and our city's going to be destroyed. Man, this is what's going to happen. We're going to get serious. They call a fast from the least to the greatest, from the youngest to the oldest. Everyone is getting down on their knees, (coughs) and they're seeking God, and they're saying, we have done wrong. We have done wrong. They're very serious. They're very serious about this message that God has brought to them. And they're afraid that judgment will come. It got so serious. Look what happens in verse 6. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation and said, By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast Herd our flock, taste anything. Now that's pretty serious stuff. I don't know how you get animals not to eat. You know what I mean? Like if you have a cow and you put them in the field, they're going to eat grass, right? How, what do you do? Do you pull the sod up and teach them a lesson? I mean, I don't know how they did this, but this, this, this is how serious it is. He says, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. How many of you guys have dogs that you dress for winter? Right? Don't be ashamed. Okay, don't raise your hands if you're ashamed. That's fine. I dare you to put your dog in sackcloth this winter. See what happens, right? So this is serious business. They're very serious. Let everyone call urgently on God. In other words, this is a big deal, man. God is going to do something urgently calling him. Let everyone give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. 
You see, this is very serious business. They have recognized we're doing a lot of wrong things. We are a very violent group of people, and God has come and he's given us an opportunity, a first chance. This is their first chance. This is the first time a prophet from God has said, listen, you as a city are in big trouble. Because of your violence, God is going to come against you, and he is going to destroy this city. And so the people aware of this get really serious, and they're fasting, and they're praying, and they're seeking God. They change the way they dress. Everything about them denotes the sense of serious, serious, serious. In fact, even in their repentance, there's a sense of crying out for mercy. Because they don't say, hey, let's turn from our violence And then God must do this. They say, let's turn from our violence and then perhaps God will be merciful and gracious. He will be compassionate on us. Which is the very thing that Jonah doesn't want and the very thing that Jonah will get into trouble in chapter 4 and will proclaim that God is compassionate because look what happens. The result of all this is found in verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and he did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. In other words, the result of what has happened, the better way of doing things is when the Ninevites heard the voice of God and the voice of God said, 40 days and I will destroy your city. They said, man, we need to turn from our violence and our sin as soon as possible and get on our knees and fast and pray and wear this horrible clothes and say, God, we have done wrong. And then perhaps God will have mercy. And he did. God had mercy on the people of Nineveh. A complete turning. Now, that's the text. You have an idea of what's going on in the story? Now let's see what we can learn from this. I think the biggest lesson we can learn is this. When God tells you to do something, immediately do what he tells you to do the first time. Why? Because it's the better way. It's the better way. You don't have to look for a second chance. If the Ninevites had said, you know what? I think God's goofing around. I think God's actually giving us 50 days. Because in the future, in 50 days, it'll be from when Jesus rises to Pentecost kind of thing. So they're using the Bible, right? Well, no, it wasn't really written then, so they couldn't use it anyway. But I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. Did anyone catch that? Hopefully you did. Okay, good. No, they they knew right away, this is serious business. The better way is not to depend on a second chance because you might not have a second chance. The better way is that when God says something, that you do it right away. That you do it right away. So whether you take Jonah as a true story or even as a parable, the lesson that we can learn is when God says something, do it immediately. Do not hesitate. The Ninevites did not hesitate at all. They heard a message. They said, we are in a bad place and we need to get things right as soon as possible because perhaps God will be merciful. And they immediately turned from their sins. They immediately amended their ways. And God said, that's good. And I will not destroy your city. First time, they heard, they obeyed. And that is the better way. So when God tells us to do something, We need to do it right away and do it immediately. So what are two things I think that we can apply this with? One, when God tells you to share his story, he wants you to share his story and how your story intersects with his story. Did you get all that? Okay, who can repeat that word for word? I will let uh, 
John here, buy anyone lunch. You can repeat that word for word. No, right? (laughs) You're like, I'm broke. No, let me say it again. When God tells you to share his story, he wants you to share his story and how your story intersects with his story. That's a lot of words just to say when God says, do it, share my story, you do it. Jonah did not. The first time, Jonah did not. He refused to do what God wanted to do because he was drinking a little too much haterade. You know what I mean? A little too much haterade. He hated the city of Nineveh, and he wanted them to be destroyed. And when God said, you go tell them judgment's coming, he said, no, thank you. As you see in chapter 4, he'll say, because I know you are a God of compassion, and I know if I tell them that story, they're going to repent. So there's no way, because my deep-seated hatred of them is to get out of here now. And he did. God told him to tell a story. Jonah did not, and other people faced the consequences. Even Jonah, in a sense, faced the consequences. So if we're looking for a second chance, you have to realize when God says something and you don't do it immediately, there's consequences that are coming. It might be for you, it might be for other people. And so what I would say we learn from this is the better way is to simply do what God says and do it right away, which is what Jonah does the second time around. He realizes, listen, I've just, parable or true story, been in the belly of this whale And now I see the light that, God, you really do want me to do this. And I'm going to do it. And he does it. And what are the consequences? God's hand of favor is poured out upon the Ninevites. Verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. In other words, the consequences of Jonah's obedience was God's mercies poured out upon a wicked city. The consequences for the Ninevites is that in the midst of their evilness, God spoke with a desire to draw them to himself. They listened, they heard, they obeyed by turning away from their sin, and they were blessed with God's hand of favor. They experienced his his mercy and his grace. How does that relate to us? We're all witnesses, aren't we? If you have come to a place where you believe in Jesus, you're a witness. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you will be my witnesses. How many of you ever served on a jury? Don't you love jury duty? How many of you have ever served on a jury for a serial killer? Only me? Wow, that was a crazy trial. Which you you can ask later about. But the witnesses came... Even though they didn't see the murders, the witnesses came and they told what they saw. They told their story. You see, God says to us, listen, you shall be witnesses or go into all the world. So God is saying, listen, here is my story, the story of Jesus from beginning to end, from God to king in the end. And I want you to tell people this story and how it intersects with your story. How did you get to this place where you met Jesus and now you walk with him? He's not telling us to share principles. He's not saying memorize the Romans road. He's not, which it could be a good thing. He's not saying learn the bridge illustration. He's not saying that. He's just saying be my witness. 
tell your story as it intersects my story. Sharing our faith is not something that's this huge, difficult thing to do. It's just pretty simple. Has something happened in your life when you met Jesus? What was it? Then tell people that. That's it. It's not your job to convince anyone. It's just your job to be a witness. And as a witness, all you're saying basically is this was me. I was blind, but now I see. Blind, but now I see. Oh, such a simple story, isn't it? Jonah's message was pretty simple. 40 days, then destruction. I mean, maybe, true story, there's more that he added. Maybe seen as a parable. That's just enough to get the idea that judgment is coming but the reality here is that you are witnesses. And so when God says, share my story, he means just share your story. Don't be hindered by the fears that we often have, but just say, this is who I am. Blind, but now I see. This is who I was before I met Jesus. This is who I am now that I have met Jesus. And it's not the easy life. There's difficulty, there's struggle, but there's no reason why we just can't simply Share our story. God asked Jonah to share a story. First time he said no, people paid for it. Second time he said yes, people were blessed by it. So I don't know, maybe you have someone in mind right now that you keep thinking, and I have a lot of people that I think, man, I should just say something. I should just say something. I should just tell people my story instead of worrying about what happens if they ask the tough questions like predestination or free will. Doesn't that scare us? They're going to ask the tough questions? No, Jesus doesn't say share the answers to the tough questions. He says, share your story. Share your story. You can come back with answers to the tough questions later on, but just share your story. Second thing I think that this story tells us, that when God tells us to do something, we should do it right away, is this. When God tells you to repent, repent. Repent. Turn, change, make a U-turn. Don't make a 360 because you know what a 360 is, right? If you're walking this way towards sin and you make a 360, where am I going, where am I going, where am I going, where am I going, and I'm walking in the same path, right? So don't say make a 360, you make a 180. You're making a U-turn. Repentance is this. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of action. Because what happened to the people here? Listen, verse 5, it says, The Ninevites, they believed God. Before this, they did not believe God. In other words, they did not believe, but now they do believe. Did not believe, but now they do believe. They believed God, and we know that because they declared a fast, all of them, from the greatest to the least, and put on a sackcloth. And the king took it most seriously. In fact, the picture of the king is him sitting upon his throne, dressed in royal robes, standing up, taking the robes off, putting on the sackcloth, and then getting on his knees, burying his face in the dust. Now, depending on your politics, I won't use American politics, I'll use uh, foreign politics. But imagine if right now, at this very moment, a certain leader in a Korea that is north of south rises up and says, Oh God, after a prophet has spoken to him, Oh, God, look at what I've done. I have placed the world on the nuclear brink. If I said that, maybe like George Bush, I don't know, please forgive me. I have created a whole lot of trouble, but you know what? This is wrong. God has told me this is wrong. And so he gets on his knees and he changes and he says, Oh, God, forgive me so much. I will give up my nuclear program. I will get rid of all that stuff and I will serve God. That's kind of what's going on. 
I don't know if it's possible. With God it is, but that's kind of what the king of Nineveh is. So when he hears that God says, dude, your city's about to be destroyed, he says, I have to do something, and I'm not going to wait, but I'm going to do something now, and I'm going to do something serious, because even me, in my finest of clothes, is going to get into the ugliest of clothes. I'm going to make a change. He's completely changed. He's, he's a different person. He knew that he had done wrong. He confessed it, and then they put away their violence. Now, I, I don't know if there's such a thing as partial repentance. I don't think there is, but let me give you a couple of illustrations, <clears throat> personal illustrations. I have problems eating two things, uh, red sauce, pasta, and chocolate, okay? Uh, the first one I can kind of live without, but the other one I cannot. I'm addicted. I'll be honest with you, this week my wife bought uh, from Costco haagen those little ice cream bars. I will say that I had more than three and leave it at that in one sitting, okay? This is one sitting. My stomach was doing flip-flops. A lot of serious pain. Listen to my partial repentance. I know it's wrong. I know it's bad for me. I know it's so bad that when it happens to me that I'm going to get sick. I just know it. My stomach will bother me all day long. It will be very uncomfortable. But when I saw that box, I said, thank you. I cannot wait till she leaves. Because as soon as she left, bam, one, two, three. You can't have three. You have to have more than three because you don't want to make the spiritual. You know what I mean? You get what I'm saying? I know that it's wrong. Yet I still ate it. With joy, I might add. But I paid for it. Is that repentance? No. My mind had changed. I know this is wrong for me. I guarantee you it's wrong for me. But I still ate it. There was no change in life. That's partial repentance. It don't count. How many of you uh, have Verizon as your carrier? For, for your cell phones. Thank God. Anyone have that other company that has three letters and an and in there somewhere? I won't put them under the bus, but, you know, Phil works for them if that helps you figure out who it is. Customer service. Okay. <sighs> repentance. We're talking about repentance, but, man, this is, this, was, this is a hard thing. They messed up our bill a few months ago. They gave me the final bill on Tuesday, and I got a letter from Collections on Thursday. So collections is telling me, you owe us money, man, and uh, you've owed it for a long time. And I'm like, how can that be? Because I just learned Tuesday that I owe this money. You shouldn't have gotten it. So I called customer service, and I told myself, you are a pastor. God is watching you. As soon, and I'm, I'm totally serious, as soon as that little robot voice came on, welcome to, mm-mm-mm-mm. we would love to help you. I said, your customer service stinks. I did not swear, by the way, this whole encounter is. I talked to 10 customer service representatives, literally. I wrote down all their names. Because I wanted to make sure I had proof for later on. But the whole time, the Spirit is going, you're not doing this right. You're not doing this right. I said, no. I know this is wrong, but I don't care. I want justice. I want justice. I don't owe them anything. And they're make, they can't even tell me what I owe. They just tell me that I owe it. Why? They don't know. Nobody can seem to find this file that tells me what the charges are. And I'm getting angry because you know what they do? And I worked in customer service. This is a great trick. Don't do this if you work in customer service. You know what you do? Oh, sir, I can't help you, but let me transfer you. Oops, your call got dropped. Not once. Not twice. 
Three times. And the last time, the guy was like pretending he really cared. He came back on the line and said, oh, I'm working on the problem. And then boom, gone. You know what? My attitude stunk. I'll be honest. It was bad. I was so angry. I wanted justice. I repented. I know this is wrong. I thought to myself, what if Phil heard this conversation? What if anyone heard this conversation? I, I mean, I did not go Baldwin ballistic, but I was angry. Angry with these people. I did not repent. I did wrong. You see, partial repentance isn't recognizing the fact that I've done something wrong. It's saying I've done something wrong and I'm going to change my mind about this. So let me tell you this. I promise I'm going to get accountability for my chocolate eating. I'm going to cut down on it. And for customer service, next time I have to have my kids in the room because they're the only things that save me, that keep me. I closed the door to my room just to let you know because I didn't want them to hear how bad I was going to be. I had a plan, but I'm supposed to be a pastor and I'm supposed to have repented from this anger issue. But I haven't. Partial repentance is not going, oh man, this is wrong. Could you imagine one spouse saying to the other, hey honey, I know I'm wrong, but I'm having an affair. Hope you don't mind. What? Full repentance says this is wrong. And that's exactly what the Ninevites did. They said this is wrong. It is absolutely, positively wrong. And we need to stop, not 41 days from now, but right now. Because the better way is not to depend upon a second chance that might never come, but the better way is to obey God immediately in what he says I should do. Does that make sense? The better way is when God says, this is something you need to go. Go share this story. You do it. When God says, this is wrong, you need to turn from this. You don't argue with him. You make the change. The Ninevites are not sitting there. The king does not make a decree or a proclamation and says, reflect upon these words. We have 40 days, dudes. For 39 days, I want everyone to think. No, he says right away, right now, man, this is serious business. We have done wrong. A a message of judgment has come, and we need to turn and repent from this, and we're going to show God that we really understand this, (coughs) and we're going to change our lifestyle. Now, I really wish that this story had gone on a little bit further, because what would really have been cool again, being it a parable, a real story, is if in the end that the Ninevites actually changed their ways, not just getting away from evil, but to a place where they lived in continual kindness. That would have been cool to to see that because you would have seen that this is what I was. I was blind. But this is who I am now. I see the mercy, the grace, the compassion of God. And that's why I want to rest. That's the better way. I want to be in that place rather than here fighting God saying, no, I refuse to do what you want me to do. Or God, you don't understand. You don't understand what these people did to me. Or you don't understand what you're asking me to do. It's difficult. It's hard. But I don't think God says, oh, you know, okay, fine, I understand that. You don't have to do it. I'll get somebody else. No, he's looking at you right now asking you to say something or do something and respond in obedience immediately. That is the better way. The better way in following God is when God speaks, we hear that, we do something about it. Because a day will come when you don't get another chance to do what you're supposed to do. 
and it either becomes a regret or it's over. The Ninevites, this is interesting, not Jonah, are the ones who teach us the better way. They show us that obedience to God is what's really important. So if there's anything you get today, I want it to just be this. For me included, it's not just me, but it's all of us. What is God asking you to do? Right now. And you might know, right on top of your head, you might say, man, this is something I know God's been talking to me about for ages, and I just need to do it. The, the, The call is the better way, the better way is to do it and to do it now. So it raises questions, simple questions. How serious are we about listening to God's voice in a bang? Is there someone that you need to share your story with? Is there someone you need to share your story with? This week I had lunch uh, with one of my relatives. And man, I was just so psyched up because I was uh, preparing this message. And it was like God was saying, you, you need to share your story with this person. And I'm like, man, I am ready to do this. Show up to lunch. And uh, he came with his mom. So kind of ruined the story because I don't know how you, you know what I mean? Because have you ever been anywhere? I don't know how many of you guys still have your moms. I don't have mine, but... If you ever go to a place with your mom, you don't want to have somebody telling you a story. It's a little awkward, right? Because what does mom do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You listen to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Right? You're with me? Anybody? All right. If you're a mom, any, can I get a mom? Amen? Sort of, kind of, maybe? <laughs> Something or other? No, or am I just that bad? Anyway, so I didn't do it. But it's like I knew this is what God wanted me to do. It's a regret. Three days later. I should have done this. Even with mom there. So is there someone that you need to share your story with? Don't be like me. Share the story. All you have to do is just be a witness and share the story. And give them an invitation to allow their story to intersect with the story of Jesus. Second thing. Is there something that you need to repent of or change in your life? It could be loving someone. Right now you might be having real difficulties loving someone. It could be your politics. It could be your religion. It could be your personal preference, all the labels that go with all that stuff. But there is someone that you just need to love. And God is calling you to love those people. And yet it's hard to. Love that person, yet it's hard to. God, I don't want to. I don't want to. Because the next question then is, is there someone that we need to forgive? Is there someone in our lives where God has said, you need to extend forgiveness whether they are receptive or not? You see, the crazy thing that I'm I'm learning in my own mind, not the crazy thing, it's the biblical thing, but I call it crazy because it's so hard to do, is that God sometimes says, you know what, you just need to forgive with no expectation whatsoever that they will even say sorry. Kind of like Jesus. Right? He didn't get on the cross and die for our sin and said, all right, my expectation is that all of you are going to now go, wow, look at the wonderful love of Jesus. Okay, we're sorry we did this to take him down, right? That did not happen. And the crazy thing, again, biblical thing, is that God calls us to be conformed into the image of Jesus. We are to be like Jesus. Jesus, in his forgiveness, in his compassion, in his mercy, in his love, extending all of this, even knowing that not everyone would respond to that message in obedience. 
So is God saying, listen, you need to forgive this person. You need to forgive these people. And waiting on that will not help you at all. The consequences will be for you personal, for you spiritually, for the other person, the relationship. Who knows where that is going to lead you to? Is there something that God is calling you to? Because the church today is stuck on the story of God's love, which is a good thing, but it misses out the other part, which is the story of God's judgment to come. Which is, if you go through the Old Testament, you think, oh man, it's just an Old Testament thing. But it's a New Testament thing all over the place. The first words out of the mouth of Jesus are what? Believe, repent and believe. Turn from your sin. And turn to God. Do it now. Immediately. Because it's the better way. So let me ask you. Is there something. That God has spoken to you clearly about. And you know this is what you should do. What are you going to do? Are you going to say God I hear. I will trust. And I will obey. Or are you going to say. I've got time. I've got time. I've been doing this for ages. I've got time. And every day you do it, your heart gets harder and colder towards the things of God. And those people around you who are dying to hear a story of Jesus and his forgiveness and his redemption aren't hearing it because of your hard heart. Now I know maybe a Calvinist will say, well, if God predestined them, they're going to get there. I get that. I can understand that. But are you willing to take a chance? Are you willing to take a chance to say, God, I will not do what you ask me to do because you'll take care of it? Or will you live the better way and do what God asks you to do and do it immediately, even if it costs you? Let's pray. And I just want to give us, while the band's coming up here, a few moments to reflect. What is God saying to you, and how does he want you to respond? What will you do? Will you depend on a second chance, which may never come? Or you want to do it the better way? which is do what God says and do it immediately. If we could give maybe about a minute or two. If you need to write something down, feel free to write something down. I'm going to sit down so that you can actually reflect instead of hearing my voice. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.